Hello and welcome to another episode of SaaS Showdown. Here we are to talk about all things software as a service. I am Colin McCarthy and once again I am joined by Rose Layton. Hey everybody. Hi Rose, good to see you again. Here we are back in the uh, the virtual realms of podcasts and YouTube channels, talking about all things SaaS. And as we get to the end of season three, we are going to talk about something that we've touched on before a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is incident. Excuse me. <laughs> I was just I was just telling a story about how I choked on my own saliva while I was talking to my CFO, and here Colin is choking on his own spit ah, yes. on our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is very. There is a lot of pollen here in uh, in the northeast. You know, Colin, uh, the trees are covered. I think with there it. are maybe some blog posts that say step one is stay calm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't choke on your own I will. <laughs> I will stay very calm, but we had <laughs> you're, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get me going. So previously we had talked about how to deal with vendor outages. Uh-huh. Today we're gonna talk about incidents that impact ourselves because there are a lot of uh, ransomware activity, hacker activity, compromised activity, whether it's sometimes just admin uh, mistakes, admin mistakes, compromised accounts, uh, phishing links being clicked on. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's discuss incident response. Yeah. Yeah. So how do the the list goes on? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So we'll uh, we'll stick all of the uh, things we could discuss in the tombola, give it a spin, and then pick out a topic. <laughs> so, how do we, as IT professionals, deal with these things? And you've already alluded to it. One of the guides that we looked at. So we googled uh, managing a ransomware attack, mm-hmm. and there are there's an infinite scroll. There are no longer pages on Google search results. It's an infinite scroll, a lot of articles. And one of the guides from Microsoft that had uh, the top 10 things to do after a ransomware attack, number one was stay calm. And that probably is a good place to start. Because if you freak Um, people out, you will make mistakes. Yes, yes. And also there's... Depending, first of all, you need you need to stay calm and you need to evaluate what has happened mm-hmm. and evaluate um, the urgency of your response. Yes, yeah. And what is whether it? it and is, how bad is it? Yeah, yeah. Because um, if it is a ransomware attack that's spreading malware through your system and encrypting machines, maybe prompt access to disconnect machines is the right thing to mm-hmm. do. If you think that a bad actor is on your network, it might not be the right thing to start shutting things down because that would that would clue them in to the fact that they know you're on there. You've you've worked out that they are on your network, and then they might launch their payload before you can you know get uh, professional specialist help from a security company right. and and work to isolate them. So, stay calm. Yeah. Evaluate. Yeah. Stay calm. Assess the situation. Yeah. Assess the situation. What is it? How bad is it? I would say the third one is something you've already started talking to, Colin, which is um, how do we limit the harm, right? If this is sort of an ongoing problem, how do we limit the harm that it's currently causing? 
And yep. let's start to talk about how to get back up and running. I don't do... Uh, some people want to jump to like, why Why is this happening, right? I don't ever jump to that right at the beginning. Unless no, it's relevant for... to the solution. If if you need to stop it from continuing, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's, if it's spreading... You need to know potentially how it got in, what actually happened. Right. Or you just need um, to be familiar enough with your network to know, like, where is it now? And, like, how can we isolate that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess the f- – and obviously what I'm thinking about this is the first thing you should do is stay calm and then break out your disaster recovery business continuity handbook which everybody has on their desk sitting next to them, which has been, which has been fully updated. It's been printed out. It's been fully updated for this year. And also you've done, you know, annual dry runs with all of your team. Mm -hmm. So everybody knows what their responsibility are. Everybody is probably remotely, everybody out there is rolling their eyes thinking, well, we know that that never happens, (laughs) even though people say, say it does. And it is the best practice. So, this is the opportunity to put some of that in place. Mm-hmm. Um, some organizations have r- pretty complex things that happen when incidents ooh. go. Um, you know, like I've seen ones that, uh, you know, if you're using pager duty or whatever, you create an incident on pager duty and it spins up a war room and pings everybody that should be involved for you. Yep. 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 That's, that's a key thing. You've got to get, everybody who needs to be involved together physically virtually however you want to through... do it in a slack hangout in a slack channel in a a, a, a text group chat like it doesn't it doesn't yep. matter how you do it um it does matter yep. that Have... however you do it is accessible to everyone and depending on the incident your normal channels may not be available yes yeah i've heard from other colleagues where they thought that they'd, they'd been tipped off that there were bad actors on their network and to resolve it they were told not to use their corporate teams or mm-hmm. office 365 because email system be because email bad actors they didn't know what they were monitoring so they had to quickly spin up uh you know uh, a whatsapp group chat because and then they had to like get everybody's phone number and and they're not normally accessible so um it's good to have that, you know, set up beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done that with my Yeah, uh, if you're not IT collecting colleagues. like an emergency contact phone number for all of your colleagues, do it. Like, yeah. you don't know when you're going to need that information, but you will need it someday. Um, and it's really helpful that if like one of your major communications channels is down, that you have alternate ways to reach people. I know like... <laughs> I've, yeah. I've worked in a couple of different companies now that they don't have work phones. Like that's not a thing that we have anymore. And, um, or like, you know, they're only issued to a limited number of people. And so like, but the only other alternative is to know what people's cell phone numbers are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, and that's as an that employee, little... like that's a good reason to give your cell phone number is if something happens, they can reach you. Yeah. 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 And, and have an, an alternative means from the corporate way of contacting people. Cause mm-hmm. 
I know that, you know, work colleagues and friends uh, ignore their corporate email system, whether it's Teams or Google Chat or Slack at the weekend. Mm -hmm. But you can, you can, you know, be sure that if you're going to be compromised and suffer an attack like this, it is going to be you know, the Friday night before oh, a holiday it weekend. It is always or... a Friday afternoon, Colin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. It is yeah. almost always. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. Like, so you've got yeah. to get in touch with people over, over the weekend out of hours. Right. And, and in order to do that, sometimes we just have to default and fall back to these like 1990s phone trees. <laughs> I was actually thinking of that. Yes, yeah. I don't think we need to go that far back and have a phone tree. And then I'm, I'm no. put put in the comments below if anybody does know what has used a phone tree back in the day. Um, I've seen one. In I the know movies. they were. <laughs> I've never actually yeah, used yeah. one. I think I think schools have them for like no, for like you know the the PTO to get messages Sometimes. out before they had broadcast they have, systems. Well, they have automated texting systems too now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, they do. Um, so yeah, stay calm, know that you've already got a plan of, of who's going to do what, you know how to get in touch with, with your key people. Right. Um, get everybody into a, then, a, a room together or some kind of space together um, and then start assessing what has happened, how bad it is and how yeah. we're going to start to fix it. And some things have, I think, very predictable paths forward, right? Um. So, for example, a ransomware attack has some pretty mm -hmm. specific things that you should do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what are those things, Colin? Uh, let me just check my, uh, my business continuity attack. and dis disaster recovery uh, <laughs> handbook here. No. Um, <clears throat> it would be ensuring that your backup is isolated and it should be already. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that some backup providers do have ransomware, um, anti-ransomware protection components in them where you can, you know, isolate them or they'll, they'll detect some, you know, they'll, they'll detect that your backup files are being encrypted and, and put a stop to it. Um, I would reach out to them. Um, so you, you want to make sure that how you can recover is is safe um, because you will have to start rebuilding things. Mm -hmm. And then the difficulty that, um, and there's a, a Druver is a product that, that does backups um, and they actually have a really good webinar on, on dealing with these sort of instance, in, incidents. Because mm -hmm. the problem you're going to have if you start shutting stuff down to try and protect yourself from the ransomware attack, you could do more catastrophic damage to the business. So it's not just a case of automatically shut everything down because, you know, the business has still got to be operating, but it's, it's isolating and knowing what you can restore. Um, Active Directory, not that I am an expert in Active Directory, but if you have a distributed system with multiple domain controllers, mm -hmm. if you start shutting them down and then they're not, you know, they can cause problems with, with replication. If you bring them back up, things can be out of date. So you can cause more problems in down. the long run. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, this is why, or this if is you res- also or if you restore something from a copy. Yeah, this is also why it's important to make a plan for your specific conditions because what my environment looks like, I'm going to have a very different plan of attack if ransomware comes for me than Colin's system, right? Like his his environment, and so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the size of your business and the, the composition of your business, like all of that stuff matters and it's really unique to you. And so I think that's why it's important to even just like entertain these ideas, even if they seem like they're long shots. Like there have been some cases where like, like Colin, I would never expect in your industry that anything like this would ever happen. Right. Because like the, the type of work, the type of industry that it is like marketing and advertising just doesn't like, I'm like, why would they care? Right. But it does happen in your industry and that it, 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 it does happen. Yeah. Yes. It has happened historically. Like I think we hear um, about like the governments, the hospitals, the school systems, the utilities, like we hear a lot about things that are like critical infrastructure. And like, of course, ransomware is a target for those things, but like, Ransomware is also about making money, ultimately. And so yep, yep. Um, we just have to remember that, like, in that sense, no one is safe. Yeah. If yeah. there's and even think, an opportunity to make money. Yeah. And I th- I think for the one uh, industry that you mentioned there, not that it's really an industry, uh, education, mm-hmm. they are often attacked due to the underfunding that they might have, mm-hmm. um, the, the large amount of devices they might have, the large amount of uh, people who might click on things accidentally and, and launch something. Right. So they're, they're Corpora- particularly susceptible corporations. to, I think, attacks that wouldn't necessarily get anyone else or like get a more well-prepared yeah. organization because they tend to be underprepared. Yes, and, and that's un, un, often due to underfunding yeah. or or lack of resources yes. or not yeah, prioritization. Yeah, we're not saying that they're, they're some, negligent. We're just saying that like, no, it's the no, reality yeah. of the situation. S- some larger corporations you know, do have potentially a more robust patch management system, um, might have more, uh, more streamlined controls right. that can make them a little bit harder. But, you know, some larger businesses can be very... Um, uh, very spread out with their IT systems, mm-hmm. you know, m- might be a larger footprint to attack than, right. or, you know, or like you're in the you're in the process of consolidating or improving or whatever, and you're not done yet, right? So there's holes yep. that you yeah. you don't want to be there, and you're actively working to resolve, but like you're not finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure for people who are listening, they either have or know people who still have Windows Server 2008 oh running, Windows, Windows Server 2012. Um, you know, I've heard of companies that are still trying to work to get off of Windows 2012. There are, you know, people people have RDP boxes, jump boxes sitting there to make life easier for them or something else is broken. So they have to have you know, a remote session open on a machine, somebody finds it and compromises it. Um, it's you, you, you can lock 
all of the doors that you want, but if somebody leaves a crack in a window open, you know, bad stuff can happen. So, yeah. So, um, um, the one you talked already about, um, backups, like what other mm -hmm. kinds of things can people do to help with disaster recovery? Cause backups don't all, all, all don't just help with ransomware. They also help with natural disasters. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. They also help with uh, viruses, right? Ransomware is a type of virus, but that's not the only kind of virus. Yeah. And there have been some fairly catastrophic viruses in the last several years. Mm -hmm. um, what else? It, it is, as you said, uh, natural disasters, if you can. Um, you know, if you are operating on site, which, which some people, a lot of people still do. And I, and I realize. But like the natural disaster can help a, can affect I, your I, data center too. <clears throat> so like. I know. Let me, let me just put in a little disclaimer. I know this is SASH, SASH showdown and we're talking about a lot of physical things, but the majority of companies that are using SAS based tools, Office mm -hmm. 365, Google Workspace, Slack, Nero, uh, Miro, everything else also have physical, you know, a lot of physical stuff. They have laptops, they have active directory. Yeah. They um, have data centers. They so, have... Yeah. They have offices with Wi-Fi and networking equipment. Mm -hmm. So this is, we're not, if you are in a utopia scenario where you're using Google as your IDP or Azure AD or Okta, mm -hmm. everybody's working on zero trust in, you know, um, uh, a containerized browser, um, <laughs> you know, in a, in a sandbox and <clears throat> everything's only using the latest patch OS. And, and I've heard of well, some, and that's the thing. some large think, companies yeah. that will only allow yeah. the latest patched OS to access their data, and which does make them that sort of you know, environment very secure. Isn't, I don't think that sort of environment is all that far off. Like, I think no. it will be a lot more common than it is today just like SAS has really kind of like ballooned right in the last mm -hmm. seven, eight years. Um, I think that like this sort of zero trust thing is we've been hearing about it for several years, Colin and I, because I think that's, that's really mm -hmm. sort of embedded in the nature of being like doing SAS ops um, and like embracing SAS. Um, but in five years time, we're going to see a lot more companies that are in those scenarios, right? In a utopia scenario. But for now, yeah. <laughs> that's just not the case. No, so yes. No, so this is that no. showdown and we are talking about some fairly physical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, stay calm, backups, communication. Um, we talked a bit a lot about in backups, isolating your your, your backups and making sure they're secure. Mm -hmm. It's also about, you know, uh, cutting off or isolating your in, in and outbound connections to devices or your offices and your infrastructure, um, which is, <clears throat> which is harder in this day and age with so many people still being remote and potentially a lot of the stuff that you might have, in in the cloud and not in a in a data center. I was gonna say, yeah, like what um, happens when somebody compromises one of your SAS admin accounts? <laughs> I 
that wow <laughs> then like like I think my first thought is to <sighs> shut off access yeah. to that account right yeah because I can also do that as an admin um but then I wonder if they have used that admin access to give themselves access to other places. <clears throat> Right. Yes. So you'd yes. So you'd have to do a full inventory of all of the um, delegated permissions within that app. The I I pause then because that's a very scary thought. But it happens. I mean, that's how Twitter was compromised. However long ago that was, right? Like somebody correctly impersonated an admin and got a password reset and compromised an admin account. Yeah. 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 The, this is why my, my biggest fear would be somebody would compromise an admin account, use that right to kick all of the other admins out. And then, this is horrifying. and then would be, they would be left, you yeah. know, to just casually walk around and, and do whatever they wanted yeah. to do. So what do you do in that situation? In. This- um, you contact <laughs> the vendor. Yes, a lot of some of the vendors. I know Google Workspace have a process for gaining access to a tenant if you've lost right. access to the super admin but account. But this is also like why you it should is. know your account rep. You should know, like, because when an emergency like this happens, you're not going to fill out a yep. form and wait seven business days. <laughs> I, know, I know. It's it's actually it's actually only three. <laughs> But it, but it does require you to do a DNS entry, assuming you can still you you know, can get into your, your DNS. DNS. And <laughs> yes, yeah. So I think this uh, really goes to uh, delegated, uh, uh, the principle of least privilege. Mm-hmm. Only your most trusted people should have super admin access or the highest level. And when possible, so they you can, should divide the responsibilities right if someone compromises my admin account okay but as long as i don't have also also have admin access to the dns right like we still have potentially ways to get around that yeah 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 and also geographically if you're a large company don't have all of your admins in london when you've still got an office on the west coast Um, yeah. spread them around. Yeah. So I think one of the things um, that I wanted to mention, cause I was thinking about this a lot, like um, I have not worked at a place that uses any kind of backup software. Um, I have mostly worked what? for You've... small businesses and it just doesn't make financial sense for them to have you backup have... software. You have missed the joy <laughs> of taking Taking a backup tape out of the oh machine on well, a Monday so and walking those, it over to the other when building. When those businesses had physical infrastructure, I've also had the pleasure of not having to work for very many businesses that have physical infrastructure. Um, when those businesses had physical infrastructure, they did have backups. And then they had hard drives that needed to be replaced, however many often. And they had backups that ran at a regular cadence and like whatever. Um 
since moving away from that kind of stuff, they have not employed any sort of cloud backup software, which is what you kind of use on a, a more decentralized SaaS system, right? Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about it, and this is, I guess, some wisdom that I learned from a previous manager and a mentor and like really kind of took to heart, which is that if you are not willing to afford systems that help you recover from disasters, like backup software and stuff like that, you must instead invest in systems that basically recover themselves. Mm-hmm. So the utopia nirvana of that is Chromebooks right now. Talking about OS, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, no, no. Not just not just OS, but like on Google using Chromebooks. Like the network has nothing on it, basically. You know, it might have some printers and that's it. And then like if the network gets compromised, okay, just don't use it. Um, send everybody home <laughs> to use their own personal yeah. personal networks, right? Um, if there's um, an issue with the, the Chromebooks or if there's an issue with an office, right? Like it's really easy to just sort of like pull devices from a consumer perspective and like ship them out to people and then they log in and all their stuff is there, right? So like we're really relying on the economies of scale of Google, um, to help deal with that. I don't know that there's a similar version of that with Microsoft. I think maybe you could get OneDrive to be that kind of place, but like, like a Chromebook remembers all your settings and all your apps and stuff too. So like it's, there's really no comparison, like literally signing into a brand new Chromebook. There's not much you have to do. Yeah. So if you were if you're working totally in a browser using Chrome OS, you could sleep comfortably at night thinking, "I do not have to worry. I am secure." Uh, Assuming that you're using two-factor, your device settings are appropriate. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like, um, but like, yeah, you're. I guess your time to recover is not going to be the same as an organization that has a bunch of physical stuff. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I'm trying to just trying to look on this machine here, uh, about OneDrive because obviously OneDrive does create a folder on your computer. You have to use the folder. So you have to use the folder to put your files in to sync to the cloud. Mm-hmm. And then if your computer is compromised and, and has ransomware, it would encrypt that folder, potentially encrypt some of the files up in the cloud as well. They've done some testing on that with um, Google Drive as well, Google Drive for desktop. Um, and I will say that traditional file types are more susceptible than Google Doc file types. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's yeah, just, that's would. the thing. It's like, you really do have to do your research. But I think, you know, when, when you're considering, because we can all put our heads in the sand and pretend it's never going to happen to us. We can. And then you'll be it, in a it, really it, it, bad... Are you giving me permission no, to do that? I'm just saying, like, it's, it's possible. <laughs> like, do you have to be prepared for a disaster? Do you have to be prepared for ransomware? No. 
Um, you don't. Do you want to keep your job? <laughs> if something like that happens, do you want to keep your job? Um, you that the answer to that question could also be no. Like this is a really free world that we live in. Um, <laughs> there's this thing called quiet yeah, quitting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm using Gen Z terms on yes. you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. I have. I have. I have heard of that. So um, yes. But like that's the thing. So so. We could, we could pretend these things are never going to happen to us. Absolutely. Right. And just kind of go on about our business with our other priorities and like not prepare for any like massive thing to happen. Um, however, we have seen that massive things do happen. So like, I don't know if y'all know, there was a pandemic like not that long ago and that like really changed a lot of the way we work. Mm -hmm. And guess what? The people who are most prepared to deal with the pandemic were people who were already sort of working in that direction well before it happened. And so like yes, organizations yeah. that were prepared to go remote and weren't so reliant on their office networks um, were a lot more prepared for the logistics of sending everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember uh, February of 2020 when we sat down with uh, the leadership of you know where i was working and it's like all right what's our business uh, continuity plan um continue to use google workspace um, yeah from an it perspective you know, i think for it, you and me it was very simple <laughs> it's like let's continue doing yeah. what we're doing we're gonna have some logistical challenges to deal with like the yeah. physical hardware yeah. but yeah like other than that it's not really that big of a deal yeah yeah everybody has access to all the tools they need in a browser so mm -hmm. you know we'll be we'll be fine and it, and it was relatively easy but yeah it, the, these on the on the topic of incident response, whether it's ransomware or some other type of event, the likelihood of them happening, considering the number of companies and the number of attacks out there, if you're a relatively small organization, probably relatively low. Could it happen? Yes, of course. If you're a large organization, um, probably are uh, on a list, a target of an attack. Can you put some easy things in place to mitigate a lot of the heartache and headache mm -hmm. and financial, you know, catastrophe to organizations? Uh, yes. Uh, I don't know if I'd call patching them machines. easy, but not every because not every they're not they're not yeah they're not the most strenuous things you could do they're not there's some there's some best practices mm -hmm. that you can do yeah like auto updates and, and you patching, don't that's definitely yeah, one of them you know, because like then you're relying on your, your various vendors and your os manufacturer yeah. um to handle it for you right um, and it doesn't mean that it yeah. won't happen, but it just means that it's a lot less likely. Yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, a, a, a lot of resources out there. Uh, we'll put some in the show notes. You know, most government organizations have a cybersecurity information site, which give you information. All of the big security vendors have, you know, white papers about, um, how they think these uh, compromises and attacks could be covered. It is worthwhile, you know, spending an hour, half a day 
a day, depending on on what you can afford time-wise with your team, working through hypothetically talking about, you know, what we'd, we'd do if, um, you Even know, if you get them thinking about it. Don't like an hour or two a month talking about those scenarios. That's still plenty to get people thinking and like can help the organization prioritize projects and prioritize improvements that are going to work towards those goals. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it doesn't always have to be like, oh, you know, like we have it. It's not like during the pandemic when I think teams of people were meeting multiple times a week to figure out <laughs> what was going on and yep. like follow all yep. of the changing guidance and like things that basically changed hour to hour, minute to minute. But like, it doesn't have to be anything like that. Like disaster preparedness and, and business recovery can really be just like a normal conversations that you have once or twice a month where you entertain some possible idea, right? No matter how rare it is. Yeah. yeah and as long as yeah, you have a decent like, you know, group of people in the room, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's being, being aware and being cautious. Everybody who owns a house knows where their fuse box is and knows where their, you know, main water line is. They can turn it off. Do they expect there to be an electrical problem? No. Do they expect there to be a water problem? No. But if there is, they know where those things are to turn them to turn them off. You just need to, you know, have a tabletop game, talk it through as the guy as a lot of the guides stay say, stay calm you know, have a backup, isolate that, isolate your machines, you know, identify where the compromise is, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, figure out where your weak points to... are and like, I think, I don't know. I think talking through the ideas is like some of the most valuable stuff I've ever done. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I honestly, when I first really started doing this work, I had never really thought about the impact of a natural disaster or not even a natural disaster. Actually, the first time I ever had to deal with that was um, there was a, a bombing that closed my, one of my offices um, because it was on oh, the same wow. street. Yes. And like, so, that's scary. Yeah, it's, it's scary. Um, no, no one was hurt as far as I know. Um, but like, it was one of those things where like, we were like, oh, like what have, what would have happened if th this had like really affected us or like been our building instead of the one that was like six buildings down, right? Um, and just entertaining that idea and that, that scenario, which I had never, never really considered, right? Um, was just a, a very useful exercise. And, you know, sometimes you can validate yourself and the work you've been doing by having these exercises. So I think like, you know, when the pandemic happened and we had to send everybody home, we had been sort of working towards this eventuality. And we, we were thinking, you know, oh, like we are remote ready. And that was mm -hmm. the ultimate test. Are we remote ready? And it turned out that yes, we were. Right. <clears throat> so it was, it was really yep. validating to know that like all of the work that we had been doing up to that point um, prepared us for that moment. And yeah, like when leadership came down to be like, what's going to be the impact of this thing? We were like, oh, you know, no impact on our side. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a, 
it, as you say, it does pay to be ready mm-hmm. and talk it through and, and have an idea. So um, probably time to uh, update our business continuity and, <laughs> Go uh, drag and, and that disaster recovery plans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's around here somewhere. Um, and, uh, and, and and update all of the, uh, the the WhatsApp, you know, break glass WhatsApp or, or Slack channels. Give them a, sure a test message just, their phone just to make sure they're, 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 they're working. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I do hope that nobody succumbs to uh, any type of, uh, of incident where they, they need to think about these things. But I, I hope they are being prepared as best they can. One tip I want to share with the listeners, Colin, is um, don't ask chat GPT to write your business continuity plan for you. Because? (laughs) Because in researching this episode, (laughs) Colin and I thought to ask a generative AI if it could tell us what to do in the case of a ransomware attack, or if it could tell us um, some things about disaster preparedness. And, um, it wasn't that it gave us bad information. It did give us actually incorrect information. Like it said, in order to recover from a ransomware attack, you should back up your encrypted files, which I don't know if you know, but by that point, it is too late. Yes, yes, I remember. Yes, yeah, that step was wrong. The step should have been before you succumb to an attack, make sure you have a backup of yes, your files. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so if you're, I know that content generation and generative AI is like all the rage right now, and Colin and I will talk about that next time. Um, but yeah. uh, we just wanted to let you know that on this particular topic, ChatGPT, um, you need to review it before you publish. Yes. Yeah. It is not yeah, accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right. That's all for this time, folks. Excellent. Cheerio, Rose. Produced by the Tab Geeks Network. Enjoy all of our shows on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Tab Geeks. Join our exclusive, free, no sponsors allowed Slack community and sign up for our newsletter at tabgeeks.com.